Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descends is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The word of the Lord. Almighty Father, uh, as we come to you now, we ask for your Holy Spirit to work within us. Father, it is a, uh, it's a really big deal when we uh, come to your word, when we read the Bible, because um, it is our uh, belief and expectation that you are not simply, that, that, that the Bible is not simply data for us to memorize or, um, but that as we read your word, we'll meet you or you will introduce yourself to us or you will seek after us and find us and call us by name deeper to yourself, closer to yourself. Um, and so as we come to consider the Bible, um, we are asking you to be very operative in our hearts, to do whatever is necessary uh, to bring us to yourself. And we know that there's all kinds of things in us and around us and that, that, that make us uh, distracted or want to run away from you or, or, or not listen and all those sorts of things. But um, you're good at overcoming all that. So overcome all that um, and bring us to a place of maturity and growth in you. Um, and so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends, uh, we are back in Ephesians. Please turn back to page, uh, I think it's seven in your service sheets. It's the uh, reading from Ephesians. We're going to be looking at verses seven to the end of that reading. Um, and here's what I want to show you today. <clears throat> Here it is. Jesus wants his church to be all grown up like he is. Um I want to show you that Jesus is not impressed by immaturity within the church. Jesus wants his church, he doesn't want his church to be infantile or immature. He wants his church to be all grown up like him. 
Now, um, just take a look at the reading and I'll, I'll show you how I get that. Remember, this is uh, written by the Apostle Paul. And if you look at verse 13, the Apostle Paul gives us Jesus's goal. One way to think about Jesus's goal for the church. Um, Paul says Jesus is going to keep working and doing all kinds of things. We're going to be talking about in a minute. Jesus is going to keep working within his church. Verse 13 until here it is. We all attain to the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God, and then very importantly, to mature manhood, or we could just say to full maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's Jesus's goal. And then Paul keeps on going by, by saying that, that when we're mature, we won't act, verse 14, like children, kind of tossed to and fro. Instead, we'll be like verse 16 at the very end. And in verse 16, Paul says, we are supposed to, the church together, we are supposed to act like one body and we're supposed to act like Jesus together. So that when people look at the church, when they look at Emmanuel, they'll notice not the church, not Emmanuel, so much as they will notice Jesus. Paul's saying Jesus wants to get us as a community to a point where people, when they look at the church, they see a community and they see a culture that looks like Jesus, that talks like Jesus, that acts like Jesus, that smells like Jesus. In other words, Jesus wants his church to be all grown up like him. And every single one of us within the church has a role in getting that done. All of us are important. Now, Emmanuel, what I want to tell you today is that it is urgent that we be a church that is all grown up like Jesus. It is urgent that we pursue mature Christianity. And that's always true. But um, friends, it seems to me that we're in a moment right now where the sin of the church uh, it, within our nation, the wider Christian movement, it, the sin of the church is just spectacularly obvious right now. Am I wrong? Uh, last week, I mentioned that uh, I, I hear a reasonable amount of talk about people giving up on church or being disillusioned with the church or being rather suspicious of the church. And there's a lot of reasons why I, I feel like I want to say, yeah, I kind of get it. We talked about that last week. But, but this week, as I was working on this text, as I was reading this text, I realized something. I realized that I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ. And that the longer I live, the more I sit at the feet of Jesus Christ, the more beautiful Jesus becomes to me. And then I realized, as I read this text, I realized that I am not ashamed of Jesus's vision for the church that we find in this reading. It's, it's wonderful because Jesus wants his church to share his own beauty. And when you look at the beauty of Jesus Christ and the beauty that Jesus wants to display and reflect through the church, it's quite obvious that the world desperately needs a church like this, a church like Ephesians 4. It's a beautiful vision. And then Emmanuel, as I was reading this text this week, working on it, I realized also just how thankful I am for you. Yeah, this is when you all get to blush, okay? Um, Emmanuel, I, I just wanted to say, I see signs that Jesus is growing us up together. And I want that to encourage you. And it also makes me say this. Emmanuel, 
let's pick up the pace together. This is not a time for complacency. This is a time for transformation. And as Christians, when we see corruption or evil or sin out there, when we see uh, evil and corruption and sin out in the world, or when we see evil and corruption within the church, what we're supposed to do, our first response is when we see evil out there, we're to ask that Jesus address that evil in here, in our own hearts. We're supposed to ask for transformation within ourselves first and foremost. And that's why it is so urgent that Jesus takes us as a church toward greater maturity together. So Emmanuel, are you in? Are you ready? Shall we all grow up to be like Jesus? Fantastic. Okay. I want to show you four things. Usually it's three. Today it's going to be four. Um, I want to show you four things, four marks of a church that's growing up to be like Jesus. Here's the first one. A church that Jesus is growing up into maturity is going to be predictably but crucially captivated by Jesus. A grown-up church is captivated by Jesus. Um, go to the reading and remember the situation. The Apostle Paul is under house arrest in Rome. He's, he's, under, he's incarcerated by the Roman uh, government. And he's writing to a group of Christians around Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. Now, starting in, in this reading and for the rest of the letter, he's going to spend his time coaching these churches in how to be mature, how to be grown up like Jesus. Now, my expectation is that uh, I'm going to hear a lot of instruction from Paul, a lot of commandments, a lot of practical how-tos. And that's all on the way. But first, I want you to notice the weird bit of this reading. Did you notice a weird bit in this reading? I think the weird bit of this reading in ver is verses 8, 9, and 10. Take a look at them. So in, eight, in verse 8, Paul quotes the Old Testament, uh, Psalm uh, 68, really interesting quotation, not really going to spend a lot of time on it. And then in verses 9 and 10, uh, Paul talks about somebody ascending and descending and, and filling all things. And to be honest, when I read this reading, I, I kind of get to verses 8, 9, and 10, and my eyes kind of cross, I get kind of blurry, and then I just skip to verse 11. Okay, I'm not supposed to admit that, but that's kind of what I do. Because there's a, it, it, at first, it looks like Paul's off off his argument, because you could actually read from verse seven, you could read verse seven and then skip to verse 11, and it kind of sounds like he's not skipping a beat. Why is verses eight, nine, and 10 there? And a lot of people say, well, Paul just needed an editor. He just needed an editor and to mark those out and, and, and take it out. However, I think that's wrong. You expect me to say that that's wrong. Here's, here's, here's why this is so important. Paul's not off topic. In fact, he's modeling what Christian maturity looks like. Here's why I say that. The Apostle Paul is utterly captivated by Jesus. You can see that everywhere. Read everything Paul ever wrote, and you can see it everywhere. Paul, the man is incapable of talking about anything without relating everything back to Jesus. And that's what he's doing right here. And in particular, Paul, uh, Paul wants us to see that Jesus's victory was through humility with a purpose of releasing generosity. First of all, 
Paul wants us to see that Jesus's victory was through humility. Um, that's what the ascending and descending and descending and ascending thing is all about. Paul's saying this, listen, Ephesians, he says to his original readers. And today he says to Emmanuel, listen, Emmanuel. He says, I want you to remember Jesus. We're about ready to talk about the church, but I don't want you to think about the church without first thinking about Jesus. And every time you think about the church, I want you to think about Jesus. Remember, Paul says, especially Jesus's victory. Paul says he ascended. Jesus is risen from the dead. God the Father made Jesus the ruler and the king and the Lord over everything. And everybody takes in a breath and says, dearie me, that's audacious, which yeah, it is. But then Paul says, don't forget Jesus's pathway to that power. Jesus's path to greatness ran through humility. He descended. He descended to the earth. He descended to the point of suffering upon a cross. And while he was dying upon the cross, he was ransoming his enemies so that God's enemies could become God's adopted children. Don't forget all that, says Paul to the Ephesians, to us. Because when you see Jesus's victory through humility, you'll also be able to see, says Paul, Jesus's generosity. Because Paul says, Jesus is infinitely powerful, but he is also infinitely generous. Uh, verse eight, he ascended giving gifts. Now, most people uh, use their power for their own benefit, don't they? Typically. But Jesus is different because when he ascended victorious, he gave away the spoils of his victory. Humility was Jesus's pathway to victory. Generosity is how Jesus spins his victory. And the only way that we're going to be grown up like a, as a church is if we become utterly captivated, obsessed, intoxicated with Jesus, with his victory through humility that releases generosity. That has to be right at the center of our DNA like it is Paul. A church that's all grown up is a church that is captivated by Jesus, his victory through humility that released generosity. But then let's keep on going. Look back at the reading, verse 11. Okay, Jesus is really, really generous. What are these gifts that Jesus gives away? Jesus ascended on high, giving gifts away. What are the gifts that he gives? Well, we find out in verse 11. Verse 11, Jesus gives away church leaders. Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, pause, because this is the second mark of a church that's growing up to be like Jesus. A grown-up church is led by Jesus describing leaders. Here's why I say that. Look back at verse 11. You see that list? Apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherd teachers or pastor teachers. Now, those are all different types of leaders that the church needs. The apostles and the prophets are a special category. Chapter 2, Paul already talked about the apostles and the prophets. And there he says that the apostles and the prophets formed the foundation for the church. Jesus is the chief cornerstone of the church. 
the apostles and the prophets laid a foundation for the church. What that means is that the apostles and the prophets helped launch the church. They helped establish the first, first churches. The apostles specifically were uh, eyewitnesses of Jesus and his miracles and his death and his resurrection and so forth. And so they taught the church what Jesus had taught them. And eventually the apostles and the prophets helped uh, write what we now call the New Testament. Now, the other leaders in Jesus or in Paul's list are a little bit different. Uh, the evangelists and the uh, shepherd teachers or pastor teachers, these are leaders that the church has in every generation. And their role is to take what the apostles taught about Jesus and make it clear to people in their time and in their culture. So that people in their time and in their culture and in their day can trust Jesus and follow Jesus and grow up in Jesus, just like the very first Christians did. Or watch how Paul puts it. All of these leaders are gifts from Jesus who, verse 12, together, equip and prepare and train all of Jesus's people to do his work in the world. Or put differently, they're all meant to be Jesus describers. They are to describe Jesus as he presents himself in the scriptures. So the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers, they're all supposed to, in slightly different ways, teach and describe Jesus to the church. And just like the apostle Paul is captivated by Jesus so that he was unable to talk about anything without relating everything back to Jesus. So the leaders within the church are supposed to do the same day in and day out. Pause. Just so we're clear, that's my main job. Um, as a leader in this church, I'm not the only one, but there's others. Um, my cent central to my job is to describe Jesus as he presents himself in scripture. That's the pastor's highest priority. And the idea is that as church leaders describe Jesus as he presents himself in scripture, then what happens is Jesus builds up and equips the whole church for the work that every single one of us has to do. And that leads to the third mark of a church that's growing up to be like Jesus. So a, a church that is growing up to be like Jesus is first captivated by Jesus above all and underneath everything. But then secondly, a grown-up church is led by Jesus describers. And thirdly, a church that's growing up to be like Jesus calls every single member to the work of ministry. Take a look at verse seven. But grace was given to each and every one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now friends, what that means is that if you belong to Jesus, then you're called to ministry. It doesn't mean you're called to be a pastor. Everybody breathe, okay? It, verse seven tells us that part of Jesus's generosity is that he gives each person unique grace, unique gifts that are meant to reflect him in unique ways. Verse 12 tells us that Jesus wants every single member of the church to be trained and equipped to do good works that reflect or describe Jesus. So in a way, just like um, the church leaders are part of Jesus's gift to the church. So every single one of us, you are a gift of Jesus to the rest of the church. Put differently, that means that every single one of us, Emmanuel, every single one of us needs 
to be constantly ready, constantly prepared, constantly equipped so that we can serve Jesus wherever we are in whatever way, in whatever way we can. Jesus is preparing you for ministry, for good works. And Jesus is preparing unique ministry for you to do that I can't do and that nobody else can do, but only you can do it because he prepared you for it. So let me ask you, do you think of yourself in that way? Do you think of yourself as particularly called by Jesus Christ to the work of ministry within your sphere of influence? Do you think of it that way? Are you ready? Now, how do I know what my unique ministry is? Well, that's a big conversation, but consider this. Look at your abilities, look at your story, and look at your circumstances. First of all, consider your abilities. What are you good at? What do you enjoy? Also, what do other people enjoy that you do? Um, sometimes you may enjoy doing something and everybody else is like, yeah, not a blessing. Okay, that's not your gift, okay? <laughs> Just let that one go. But all of us have certain abilities and, and certain things that we do that end up being a, an encouragement and blessing to others. For instance, some of us are called the hospitality and you're, you're good, you, you, you like throwing parties. And part, and if that's you, then you need to organize parties where Christians and non-Christians can get together and encourage each other and become friends. Others of us are gifted in prayer. Um, and, and, and if that's you, you need to get good at prayer. Devote yourself to it. Call people up. Make your prayer list. Call people up and say, how can I pray for you now, in particular now? Um, learn to pray into the, the struggles and the difficulties that people are facing. L learn to listen for what God is saying uh, to you for others and then encourage them in it. Is God calling you and is God gifting you in prayer? Get on it. Others of us are gifted, are really good at leading things, organizing things, um, seeing how to get to vision. You can see vision, but you can also see how to get there. Get busy leading. What are your abilities? And how can you use them for God's glory? But then secondly, consider your story. Because each of us have uh, experience of especially pain and suffering and difficulty. And if you belong to Jesus Christ, then what he wants to do is he wants to come to you in your suffering and pain and difficulty, and he wants to comfort you. He wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. And then as Jesus does that, he will always then in one way or another, ask us to give away everything that he's, he's given to you. So he wants you to learn to comfort and encourage others with the story of Jesus's comfort and restoration and healing in you. What's your story? The story of Jesus's mercy and grace to you is a gift, not just to you. It's never just for you. It's a gift that you are to give away to others. Are you? Let that excite you. Consider the privilege of being an instrument of Jesus Christ for healing and restoration and redemption in the lives of other people that you can't even imagine that you will be used in their lives, but you will be. Consider the privilege. Let that privilege weigh your soul down with joy and purpose. What's your story? That's a gift from Jesus for, to you to give away to others. Consider your abilities, consider your story, and then consider your circumstances. Because all of us are in unique situations and in a unique stage of life. 
we have unique job situations, we have a unique family life, we have a unique living situation. Uh, and when you belong to Jesus, we need to be constantly asking Jesus, how can I use my particular circumstances, whether they're pleasant or unpleasant, how can I use them for your glory? Show me how I can reflect you in my actions or describe you with my words so that others can be encouraged towards you. Consider your abilities, consider your story, consider your circumstances. Now, let me back up and say all of this differently. A church that's growing up to be like Jesus is a church where everyone is so captivated by Jesus that we are all of us using all available resources to reflect his beauty or describe his beauty in every way possible. Now, let me turn a little bit of a corner here. When we're all captivated by Jesus, when we're all describing Jesus clearly, when we're all using our gifts to reflect him, one of the things that it does is it helps defend the church against stupid that creeps into the church. Take a look at verse 14. So that we will no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by the craftiness and deceitful schemes. Emmanuel. When a church starts to drift away from Jesus, when a church uh, starts to be a little less captivated by Jesus and more distracted from him, when a church begins to find other things in the world around us that are more immediately compelling or feel more urgent than Jesus and who he is and his victory through humility, which releases generosity and all that story, when something else gets more uh, captivates our attention more than Jesus. And when a church stops faithfully describing Jesus as Jesus is presented in scripture, and when a church stops really uh, pursuing good works that honor Jesus well, when, when that happens, that's a church that's going to become gullible. That's a church that's going to start to believe stupid things that distort Jesus. And then that's a church that will start to do things that bring shame upon the name of Christ and give people good reason to run away from the church. And we've got to feel just an immature church is a dangerous thing. And dangerous and toxic Christianity always begins with losing touch with Jesus. We forget Jesus's humility and we become arrogant. We forget Jesus's victory and we become frightened or compelled by, by lesser powers in this world that look compelling to us, but that's only because we've forgotten the glory of Jesus. Or we forget Jesus's generosity and his mercy and his grace, and we become instead self-absorbed and selfish. And it's not just tragic. I mean, it is tragic, but it's not just tragic. It's dangerous. Because if we're not vigilant, we'll end up perpetrating terrible things while all the while thinking we're following Jesus. And when somebody challenges us and says, that's not Jesus, we'll you know, punch him in the face because we're like, don't tell me I'm not, a, you know. Immature people never think they're immature. And self-absorbed people don't think they're self-absorbed. And arrogant people are the last ones to know it. And, and it's too easy to be a church like that, team. That's not our path. 
And Jesus leads us so much, just leads us to a way better place. <laughs> Take a look at verse 15. Don't you want to go here? Look at verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Do you see that? Once again, you see how captivated with Jesus Paul is? But okay, I already made that point. You see that what we do is we speak the truth in love and we help each other grow up towards Jesus. That's what a grown-up church looks like. And the only way that we can speak the truth in love is if we are, again, captivated by Jesus because only Jesus really fully unites truth, perfect truth, and perfect love. And when we're captivated by Jesus, when we are describing Jesus as he presents himself in scripture, then the more we become captivated by Jesus, the more he will equip all of us to reflect him and describe him to each other within the church, but also to the wider world and team, the wider world needs it, and so do we. Can you see how it all flows from Jesus? That's why not being ashamed of Jesus leads to not being ashamed of Jesus' vision for the church. And that's why uh, when you see the church that isn't that captivated by Jesus, it's easy to be ashamed of that kind of a church because we probably should be. Take Jesus out of the church and all you got is dead, toxic, dangerous, lame religion. Put Jesus in the center and the church is animated with Christ's own beauty. And that explains why uh, when we see corruption in the church or in the wider church movement, and when we see the church act in shameful ways, our response got to be careful here. Our response can't be, oh, look at those terrible people over there. I'm so glad I'm not one of them. That'll just make us proud and it'll draw us away from Jesus. Or when we see corruption and sin within the church, our response can't be, well, I mean, they're not that bad. They're, look at it from their perspective, you know, ready, ready, rod. There's always somebody else that's worse than whatever that is. Don't be defensive. We can't be defensive because defensiveness will lead us away from Jesus as well. Our response needs to be very specific. Our response needs to be, oh my good, Jesus, when I see evil out there, Lord, I expect to find it in here, in my own soul and in our own church. So Lord Jesus, you are infinitely humble and you are infinitely victorious and you are infinitely generous. So spend that generosity here. Pour out your mercy upon me and upon us and upon our church and do whatever it takes. Be severe in your mercy. Do whatever it takes to draw us to you. Kicking and screaming if necessary. Captivate us with you again. Fill our minds with your beauty. Make us see you clearly as you present yourself in scripture and fill us with your grace so that we can be all grown up like you and speak your truth, Jesus, with your love. That's what we do. That's what verse 16 is about too. Take a look at verse 16. Verse 16, from Christ who is the head, imagine the image here, Christ the head, from him, the whole body, imagine the body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, can you see the body? Makes the body grow up so that it builds itself up in love. It all flows from the head. In the image, the body is made alive by the head. The head is the animating principle. And this is the fourth and the last thing I want you to see. A church that's all grown up like Jesus is a church that receives spiritual life from Christ. And it's a church that receives that spiritual life moment by moment and breath by breath. 
Uh, Self-reliance is a myth of immaturity. The more mature you get in Jesus, the more dependent you feel, not the more independent you feel. Christian maturity is a constant receiving. We receive spiritual life from Jesus just like we're on a ventilator. And Emmanuel, I see Jesus doing this in us, in you. And I want you to be encouraged about that. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for what I see Jesus doing in you and in us. And there's room for growth. So feel the urgency of growing up like Jesus. Feel the calamity when a church distorts Jesus and then mainly run to Jesus himself, all of us together. See Jesus as he presents himself in scripture. See his victory through humility, which releases generosity. And then keep looking at him until your soul warms and you say, I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ. And then keep going and describe him as he presents himself in scripture and use all of your abilities and all of your story, especially the pain. Use all of your circumstances, leverage all of it to describe Jesus and reflect him by speaking his truth in his love. And then, friends, through it all, not because of us, but because of the glory of Jesus Christ, people will come to Emmanuel, but they won't see us. They won't notice us so much. They'll see something more beautiful. They'll look at us, but they'll notice Jesus. And that will be our joy. So let's grow up. Amen. Hello, everyone. My name is Jim Saladin. I'm the rector here at Emmanuel Anglican Church. Uh, our church exists to see and describe and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of our city. And I hope this podcast encouraged you in that way towards Christ. If you're here in New York City, we'd love to see you. Please join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Generosity drives everything we do at Emmanuel. And if you'd like to contribute, please visit www.emmanuelanglicannyc.com slash give.